Good morning, everybody. It is Friday morning, May 28th. Um, It being a Friday, you know what that means. It means it is time to talk about all the new shows that are important that have come out Friday morning on Disney+. Plus. This is the mini episode where we cover just a couple different things that are of note, you know, and so... With that, what I'm going to be talking about today is the latest episode, episode 5 of The Bad Batch, which I am very excited to talk about. Um, I, I really liked this episode a lot, actually. It was titled Rampage, and it had some really good surprises in it for me that I was just like really shocked by. And so I was just like, this is so different from last week's episode, um, just in, in my mind, you know, where uh, it was... It was Omega getting having to be chased around by Fennec and then the crew just trying to save her. I like what they do they did in this episode with with Omega um, and with with the whole crew and some pretty cool um, extras within it. So also um, with that, not only will I be talking about the Bad Batch this morning, but I'm going to be talking about the series of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. So just my short little review of how I how I feel about that show. Um, and some of the actors and some of the, the people who are involved in that. So I'm pretty excited to talk about both. So let's, let's talk about the Bad Batch. So in this episode, we have the, the crew there. They're trying to track down and figure out who this bounty hunter is that is after Omega. And obviously us as fans, we know that it's Fennec. I mean, I don't know anybody who's watching the Bad Batch who's not watching the Mandalorian. I'm sure there's some people who are out there. But, you know, when you see her and you you hear her voice, <clears throat> you recognize that, yeah, this is the same actress, you know, or this is, you look at her look and you're like, oh, this is clearly the same actress. And so, um, or the same character. And so, you, it's fun kind of us knowing, but them not knowing. And so they, they go down to this, this contact that Echo has, who is this um, informer for the Republic. And... <clears throat> if I had one little nitpicky thing about this, you know, they, they go and find Sid, you know, they're expecting a, a, um, a, a male character, you know, I mean, with a name like Sid, I, I can kind of understand that to some degree, but you know, I, I like that little, you know, fake out. Uh, and they, that's a, that's a trope that happens here and there within shows and, and, and movies and whatnot, but you know, it's, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm here for it. But if I had one little criticism, I think she was a little too quick to be trusting of this group. I would have liked to actually have seen a little bit more resistance on her end or distrust. I mean, she worked for the Republic and now she says that like, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of against the Empire, you know, look at the Empire that's kind of rising up. And, and <clears throat> you know, she, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of earning trust, I guess, because as somebody who is um, as guarded and who is kind of, you know, gray but i i suspect that she she's gonna be good in the most for the most part i mean maybe i'm wrong you know they leave it kind of ambivalent at the end but anyway um i i think she would be a little bit more guarded and untrusting to people who look like clone troopers especially when she has given her loyalty to the the republic and is kind of resistant to the empire i mean these are clone troopers that are just like any other i mean if maybe we just needed to have a little piece of dialogue to kind of mention the Bad Batch and goes, oh, I've heard about you guys, you know, maybe, maybe there just needed to be a little bit more in dialogue there for me to kind of go, okay, I get it now, or I, I buy it now. So 
that's my only little criticism. But other than that, I I love this episode because, you know, it kind of actually reminded me of like a, a Mandalorian episode. You know, you, you have her saying, yeah, I have the information or I can get the information that you need regarding this bounty hunter that you um, you ran ran into at um, Pintora or whatever, Pantera. Um, and so she goes, but you need to do a job for me first. I mean, how much so is that just straight out of the book of the Mandalorian, you know? And so I like that. I like these, this little side mission. I, I think it's interesting, especially for like a mercenary group like them. So it is again, a little bit of a filler episode. I mean, they get a little bit more information, but I am, I loved it. I loved the mission. I love the twists. I love the action within this episode. I thought it was interesting. And so, you know, they're given the task that, hey, there's this, um, this girl or this, you know, this, this um, little girl who's been um, kidnapped by some um, slavers on the other side of the planet. And will you go and save her? And, you know, and I like that um, Omega has a real heart for this. You know, she's learning more and more about the galaxy and how the wrongs of the galaxy and the things that exist, you know, much like how children do in regards to the world, you know, that, that surrounds them, you know, here, obviously, you know, or, and so she's like, that doesn't seem right, you know, as, as, you know, Echo or Tech is, um, explaining it. And so I, I like that she has a real heart in this situation and she wants to go into the action and they're like, no, no, you can't, which obviously again, makes sense, you know, um, and, but I'm, I'm glad that it was kind of a, 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 a role reversal or a switch from how things were from, from last week's episode where, you know, she's in trouble and, and they all have to do the rescuing or the saving of her. This is a little bit of a, a, a switch on that. And I kind of liked it actually. And so, you know, the Bad Batch, they, they all get captured by the slavers and, you know, their little ace in the hole is this dragon creature, which kind of actually reminded me of in Lord of the Rings, like the, what the Nazgul rides, you know, in um, the Two Towers and the Return of the King. And so these like flying dragon-like creatures. And man, that I thought that was really cool. I liked how it was kind of kept from them and it was off screen. And I liked that even Echo was like, he didn't see it, but he wasn't just like, oh, oh well, you know, he was like, um, I think there's something up here. There's something here with me. And so um, it was it was interesting seeing them get captured by the slavers. And obviously they're going to be um, enslaved, you know, they're going to be, you know, put to work or they're going to get sold. And, you know, they go, the, the slavers go to the ship and Echo gets, or, um, Omega gets away and, and she's a part of the rescue or, you know, kind of turning the tables on the slavers. And so she, she sneaks out and, you know, she gets caught, but she also releases, the trigger or the pulls the, 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 the key or whatever you want to say, unlocks the, the box and a rancor comes out. And I was just like, so excited to see a, a rancor, you know? And, and this is also where I got to say that I, I should have been a little bit more up on some things or understood some things, you know, they were, when, when they were off on their mission and Sid was talking to the hologram of a character and they were really working hard to like, um, disguise it or conceal who the character was part of me is like oh it kind of looks like Bib Fortuna but so it's that kind of it's that race blah 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 and I, I didn't put two and two together at this point until like the very end of the episode where I was just like oh shoot dang you know so but we'll get to that we'll get to that 
So the Ranger gets released and is wrecking havoc. <clears throat> who's like mopey or moshi or whatever mushi and um you know turning the tides of the the battle with the the slavers and the um the bad batch gets out i i i liked even a little a couple different things I'm, i guess i'm turning a little bit more and more on liking wrecker um you know him with the kicking of the rock move in order to distract them in order for omega to get there um had a couple moments within this episode I really kind of liked, you know, the the escaping from the chains, um, which, yeah, typically I would not like a character like Wrecker, but, you know, here we are. Also, I think they're, again, still building up to the fact that this chip is, something's going on with Wrecker's chip, and I think in the next couple episodes, we're really going to have to see what happens there. You know, either something's going to click in, or they're going to see a Jedi, and we're going to see a similar thing with Wrecker that we see with Crosshairs, or... It's gonna to get to a point where it's so excruciating the the fact that the 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 signal is not working as it should be with Order sixty six that I think they're gonna to have to do some kind of um, surgery or something in order to save his life or to get that out of there you know so I I'm expecting a little bit of a a payoff there pretty soon I don't want to see it teased anymore I just wanna I want to see them get to it because it seems like okay in the last two episodes we had something regarding this. Well, okay, let's let's go. Let's let's talk about it. Um, so with that, I'm just thinking more about the Rancor, and I was just I liked seeing it. I was like, oh, you know, usually we got we get to see the Rancor and Return of the Jedi, and it's huge, but this Rancor is cute and it's a baby, and and I was just like, you know, there there was a real cute aspect of it. I was like, oh man, I really hope that this Rancor will be in more episodes. <laughs> I would really like this thing to be a part of their team. Like if um, if Omega was a, you know, uh, uh, animal whisperer or a creature whisperer, which I still believe she is, I think she's the one who turns the tide on taming the, the Rancor. It'd be really cool to see it kind of join their ranks per se. Because, man, what, a, what an asset to have on your, like, mercenary crew, you know? And so I I loved the Rancor in this. I thought it was so cool. The fight of the Rancor just wrecking havoc on the slavers or fighting the dragon. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was so good. Um, and so we we have the crew split up a little bit, and Omega and I think Echo goes off to to help the the rest of the those who are enslaved by the slavers um, get away, and then you know ensure that they're going to be able to get home, and then they go back and. Wrecker, I like even this moment with Wrecker. I like the moment where it's like, okay, well, you got to show who's alpha to the to the Rancor. That's what Tech tells him. And so he goes, you know, one-on-one with the, the Rancor. And that was just a fun little thing, especially at the end when they're both really pooped. And I thought it was, I thought it was great. But then here's the major payoff. This is, and this is what it was so surprising for me. And I was just like, I don't know why I didn't see this or put it together earlier. But this is in fact the same Rancor that we see in Return of the Jedi because Bib Fortuna and two of the guards from Jabba's palace show up. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, duh. That makes total sense. And I was just like, I was so surprised. I was so taken aback. I was so, like, I didn't see that coming. And maybe some other, you know, fans of Star Wars would have been like, uh, yeah, duh, Peter. That's what was going to happen there. I was totally shocked. And so I was, I, I was giddy. I was very just happy because I think, you know, obviously things that play homage to the original trilogies, I'm a little bit more um, excited about because 
things in, you know, the the prequel trilogies and the Disney era trilogies, I, I'm I'm a little less enthusiastic about, I guess, because I think just the original trilogy is so close to my heart, and I loved in Return of the Jedi, Jabba's Palace. That was like one of my favorite parts in all the Star Star Wars universe. The saving of Han Solo, the the barge with the Sarlacc, and the the fight between Luke and the Rancor, and the infiltration of Jabba's palace by our by our heroes. I love that. And so to actually have the same Rancor is pretty awesome. I mean, I guess it's sad to see this Rancor knowing what happens to it at, at, in Return of the Jedi when Luke kills it, but that's that's something else. Um, and then, you know, this episode ends off with them, re- you know, returning the Rancor, um, and, and getting paid, you know, and, and Sid getting paid as well. I also got to say, I really liked the character of Sid in this. I like that she is, you know, this gray character, you know, and she's like, I can keep secrets, but you know, you look at Hunter, look at her and you wonder like, okay, can she really, whose side is she really on? You know, she's kind of in that that area of like, okay, you're going to, you could help us and you'd, you'd be willing to help us. But what are you willing to do if it, if it, the trade-off is to betray us, you know, or, you know, to cash in on, on sending us in or something like that. So I like that. I like that touch. I really like this character. I think she's really interesting and cool. I like these kind of characters in movies and televisions, you know, shows. These are people who are not necessarily the most action oriented characters, but they are um, diplomatic and sneaky, almost, you know what, like a character from Game of Thrones, like a little finger or a um, Varys. Um, I think I think she's going to be, I would love to see more of her and I want to see more usage and I want to I want to kind of be left on the hook a little bit more still, again, if we're, we trust her or if we don't, because those are just kind of things that are interesting and fun to watch. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Uh, you know, they get the information, they get the name of Fennec, but they don't, they don't get any much more than that. They don't get told, you know, what, um, what, who, um, what, what is it? Who's in, in, um, employing her or who's, you know, who's, who's she working for? And, you know, she says, Hey, you know what you're going to need? I like this too. What Sid says is like, you're going to need money and you're going to need friends. And so I think that's going to also take our group forward for the rest of the season as well. You know, I like that you know, similar to the Mandalorian, there's almost like a, um, a thin a a thin thread that's kind of brought through the series. Uh, But, you know, each episode have their own little arc where there's like, let me give you information for this, for this task. And let me give you information for this task. I think it's cool. I like it. And this is probably actually one of my favorite episodes so far of the Bad Batch. Okay. So with that guys, hold on just real tight as I come back with you. Um, come back to you with my review of the Mighty Ducks series. Hang on. All right, everybody, and, and we're back. Um, th- now, as I said, I'm going to be talking about the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, a series that debuted on Disney Plus starting back in, I think, late March, um, just a couple months ago. And it just wrapped up its last episode of the season um, for season one, episode 10. So I just watched that again this morning. And, um, you know, I'm going to just give you my general thoughts. I'm not going to go into like huge spoiler territory, I don't think. Basically, the question that I'm looking to answer is, is to ask, is this show worth checking out? Would I recommend this show? You know, and I think there's a lot to determine whether or not I would, I would recommend this show, you know, and so 
I think let's let's talk a little bit about it. You know, first of all, I got to talk about the legacy of the Mighty Ducks. You know, and and just how big of a movie that was, you know, or a trilogy of movies because there was three and they even tried to do a weird Disney cartoon. I don't know if anyone remembers this from the 90s actually. I covered this for the podcast over a year about a year ago with my buddy CJ Campbell where we watched one of the episodes from the cartoon. And so, um yeah, there's there's a kind of a glout that comes with did I say glout? Do I mean clout? I meant clout. <laughs> there's a clout that comes with the name the mighty ducks you know the this i loved the movies growing up i really did you know and and they were really fun and inspirational and enjoyable to watch with watching a team come together and and rise the ranks you know a, a team that really didn't have anything to do you know shouldn't have even be there and then we have you know emilio estevez within the movie as well and so I think returning to the story, returning to these people, much like I saw someone just right online that it's similar to Cobra Kai with a Karate Kid. And honestly, I, I would say, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there because, you know, here is a series of sports movies that were just so big back in the day. You know, you have you have the Karate Kid in the 80s and you got the Mighty Ducks in the 90s and they had multiple films. It was a franchise. Um, and so I think I think I would compare it to that. You know, there's there's a lot of differences though. I will say between this and Cobra Kai, and I think there's there's a lot of differences that we can look at a, f- a few different things. You know, to compare this show, who is this show geared towards? I, I would say this. Yeah, uh, let me ask, answer that question. Who is this show, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, geared towards? I would say um pre-teens early teenagers if you're looking for you know um modern audiences or fans of the original movies and even then there might be some fans of the original movies who go okay this is a little bit too kitty for me i would rather go and watch the movies rather than and go back to what i love and what i know and what i remember as a kid and what i can reminisce about um, rather than watching a series of new kids, because there is a little bit of that, you know, new Disney style to it. But I will say this: I I don't think it's it's really overwhelming. I don't think it it really takes over, or it's like all you can see. Like I I remember watching Girl Meets World after being such a fan of Boy Meets World, and just the staging and the costumes and everything within that series just looked like any Disney Channel show, you know. Um, and I was just like, oh, this just doesn't look like my show. This doesn't look like what I loved and grew up on and, and cherished in Boy Meets World, which is one of my favorite TV shows still of all time. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a little bit of that, but not honestly, not too, too much. Not enough where it's like, um, it takes me out and it, it removes me from really enjoying this series. Um, so I think if you are an original fan of the movies, I think you could go and watch this. I think it's interesting because even when I, I go back and I watch those movies, there's some characters that kind of fall through the cracks. Um, and they, they don't really necessarily get fleshed out stories. And, and even some of my favorite characters like Goldberg and Edelman, you know, or is that his name? Edelman? Yeah, I think it's Edelman. Um, the, the real jokesy one with the, the curly hair and glasses. He's my favorite one from the from the movies. Um, the, the question that, you know, like we, we, what are the stories with the rest of these, you know, the characters on the team in the movies? Cause all we really get is Joshua Jackson's character. And 
What I like about this series of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers is that we get a lot of kids and we get their individual stories, we get their arcs. And I think with a series, you can explore those stories a little bit more. Um, you get some more modern stuff within there that, you know, I, I think some people would appreciate and some people may not, just in regards to, okay, this one kid is all about his cell phone. I mean, there's some modern stuff within that that's that's really important, you know. Um, Disney including different aspects, you know, to make the show a little bit more inclusive with with some storytelling within there, you know. So I think that would be important for some people, but some people might be like, oh, oh roll their eyes at. Um, but I think this show, I I really... I really like, you know, and I think, I think one thing we got to talk about are the kid actors. I mean, are they kid actors? Yes. But even with like the original movies, did any of them rise up to become more than, you know, just being in the Mighty Ducks, you know, and a few of them did go on to do things. And I think there's there, I would say maybe notably, there's one actor amongst the kids that stands out for me that I really enjoy. I don't know if it was because I related to his character. He was the most like me when I was a kid. But it was um, the character of Nick. Um, I believe that's what his name was. Yeah, Nick Yance. Um, played by Max Maxwell Simpkins. Um, I really liked this young actor. I think he had a lot more of the comedy beats within the series. <clears throat> he was this dorkable kid who was really just wanting to find a friend and not really having anybody and and really wanting to be the main character's best friend. And just the the writing around him and the delivery, I think this kid has the chops to go on. You know, he's definitely going to be a character actor. I think he's going to be typecast to a certain degree. Um, who knows, though? I mean, we got, we got, what, the one chubby kid who was in um, Stand By Me grew up to be, you know, a real um, hot shot when it comes to movies. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell went on to go do some really big things, but when you look at him in Stand By Me... You're just like that kid. That kid is gonna grow up to be like one of the the sexiest men alive or whatever than like that. Um, but you know Maxwell Simpkins, I really enjoy, and I would like to see um, what comes of him in his career moving forward. You know, um, it, could, it could go nowhere. I mean, I think a lot of these kids are gonna are gonna be just acting for a little bit, and there might not be too too much to come from them later on. Um, and, but also, I would say that if you if you need to know who Maxwell Simpkins is. He did, he did a lot of episodes in another Disney um, show called Bizarre Vark with the one girl who's also in High School Musical, the TV show. Um, and I, I don't know his role. I'm not familiar with that series. I just had to look it up on the IMDb. He was also, he played Tommy in the, the Book of Henry, which um, I have not seen that either. So anyway... Anyway, um, I think he's a supporting role. He's he's not the main kid in the Book of Henry. I think that's um, Jacob Tremblay. Anyway, um, I, I think the kid actors do good. And I think the only other one that I would really mention that I, I think is noteworthy is um, Swayam Bahati, Batia. I'm butchering the name. Um, she plays Sophie, who um, is kind of a interesting character. I mean, there's a lot of interesting characters within this series. But I think obviously what I, 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 I we talked about the kids. Let's talk about the main players. the The show really centers upon Evan Morrow and his mom, Alex Morrow, played by Lauren Graham. Um, Evan is played by Brady Noon. Um, I I think he's fine. Um, I I can't really think of what else. Oh, I guess he was in the Good Boys, that movie that, um, what is his name? Seth Seth Green. Um, wait, was that was it Seth Green? Who was it? It was um, 
Oh my gosh. Seth, I'm totally blanking right now. Yeah, Seth Rogen. Oh, sorry guys. Not Seth Green. Not not Oz from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I guess he was he was in that he was in that movie. Oh my gosh, was he? Oh my gosh, he was one of the main leads in The Good Boys. I hardly even recognized him in this movie. Oh, well, you know, okay. So, you know what? Thinking about the range of of this actor, of Brady Noon, you know, kind of going from a raunchy comedy to to this show, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, I, I, I think I'm a little bit more convinced. I think my mood has actually changed towards him um, while recording this podcast, in fact. You know, his, his story is kind of this, and this is really the main arc of the show. He was on the Mighty Ducks, and he got cut from the team because this was the Mighty Ducks has changed, and now it's this prestige league where it's the best of the best in, in kids' hockey in um, Minnesota. And so he is just crestfallen that he gets cut from the team by this real jerk of a coach who's not Bombay, you know, you got to really, you got to notice the differences here, the, what the Mighty Ducks used to be compared to what it is now. And so his mom, played by Lauren Graham, who's honestly just so delightful to watch, you know, um, I've never watched Parenthood, which I know that's a big show that people really enjoy, but I think the biggest thing that she's ever been in was in Gilmore Girls. And Jess and I, we've been watching Gilmore Girls, um, and I've kind of, I was definitely not for the show. Um, when I, you know, first saw it when I was younger, you know, just an episode here and there, I, I couldn't get it really around the writing, but, you know, her character of Lorelai, I think is really interesting and I love her story. And I think when I was younger, I was like a little bit more interested in Rory's story, but, um, anyway, anyway, um, she is just so great to watch and she is a really good pillar to the show. You know, she really acts as the coach and you're, you're probably wondering, well, if she's the coach, what, what's going on with Emilio Estevez? Is he in the movie? He is, or the series, he is in the series. And, um, he plays a really interesting role and I don't want to spoil too, too much about him, but I like his arc a lot. And when I watched the first episode or two, I wasn't convinced. I wasn't sure I was going to really enjoy this series. And you might watch the first episode or two and you go, what they're doing with Bombay, what they're doing with the team and all these little kind of silly things. I'm not sure I'm here for. I would just say stick with it a little bit. If you can get to the episode where the old ducks come back um, and we get to see the characters and what's happened to them, um, you know, growing up and what their lives look like now, I think you would find that it actually works and his story makes sense. And honestly, oh my gosh, that episode when the ducks show up, um, I was in tears watching it. As a fan of the original movies, I was in tears. It doesn't usually take much, too much for me to get to that point, but I'm telling you, it's really great. And also the finale. Um, I was in tears watching the finale as well. Um, so I think it, it's worthwhile in that way. Um, any criticisms I have about the show? There, there's a couple things where it's like, Things that, similar to the movies, that, okay, it maybe makes sense for a movie, but this would never actually happen in a real game. Um, the players that you're going up against would not actually act this way, or if you... I'll, I'll spoil one little thing. They do this move called, like, blind hockey, and where the kids close their eyes and they play, and they somehow are doing better with their eyes closed, and their opponents are like, what? What are we going to do? 
I don't think that's very realistic. So you got to suspend a little bit of disbelief in watching this show. But I think that's okay. You know, I think as I as I think about this show and I give my you know final recommendations of it, whether or not you know if you have a preteen kid who um, likes sports or likes a team coming together and growing and learning um, as this team gets formed and you get all these little odds and ends kind of joining this team. You get a lot of different people who are like just jumping on and being a part of this team as Evan and his mom and Nick um, start to form it. I think it, I think it really, it's, it's good for that age bracket. I think it's really good. You know, I think another show that's currently coming out with new episodes on Disney plus is big shock and big shot starring John Stamos is, a little, is, is geared a little bit older. You know, um, but I think if I was to really look at the two shows, I think this show is is way better in my opinion. Maybe maybe it's me just looking at it from nostalgia glasses, um, but I think it is a I think it accomplishes more. I think Emilio Estevez and Lauren Graham add so much to the leading and of the story here and kind of moving the story along in different ways, where these kid actors actually do a a pretty good job, and the the action on the ice is pretty pretty good too so would i recommend it yes i recommend this series if you are reluctant reluctant and you you haven't decided to jump in yet and watch a series of 10 episodes it's worthwhile um so yeah that's that's what i have to say um today guys also is the big premiere of corella um as it comes out or has come out in theaters and it's now this morning on disney plus as well for premium access that's the other big drop that we got this weekend. Um, this this is what we're going to be talking about for the podcast this week. So if it means you going out to the, your local theater and checking out, please give your local theater business. Give them business if it is open and if you can, if there are safety pro- protocols, follow the safety protocols in order for you to get back to the movie theater. Movie theaters are struggling with the slow opening that they had um, due to COVID. So they need your business. You, you need to let them know how important it is for you that they still exist um, and not let just streaming take over. You know, I am, I am a very adamant um, person for that. But if you can't make it out to a movie theater and you want to purchase it on Disney Plus, the $30 um, thing, or you can, like they did with Mulan and what they did with um, Ryan the Last Dragon, go ahead purchase it, watch it this weekend. And, um, for this week's show, um, our regular show, um, kind of midweek, we will talk about our review of Corella. I'm still trying to track down a, a person to review it with me. Um, a friend, if you're listening to this and you want to be on the show, reach out, I'll see what I can do to get you on. Um, with that guys, I'll see you next time as we come together to watch Corella And in next week's Friday show, obviously, we'll be talking about The Bad Batch. So I'll see you guys next time on Extreming Disney. Bye-bye.